Hey, what happened to the five inches of snow we were supposed to get? Somebody said to me earlier today, they said, well, you know, we're supposed to get like five inches of snow. I hope the guys show up. And I said, oh, they'll come. They're men. <laughs> and I said, I told the person, I said, if you ever go out into the parking lot during a men's event, you'll see trucks and Jeeps everywhere. Men aren't afraid of a little snow. It, which is, you know, what's funny is if you look across the parking lot where the women are meeting, it's a bunch of minivans. It's quite a contrast, Jeeps, trucks, and minivans. So good to see you guys. If you wanna open up to Luke chapter four, that's the text we'll be in tonight, Luke chapter four. I wanna to talk to you for a few minutes about overcoming temptation, navigating temptation. If you weren't with us uh, last week, you can catch the, the, uh, the audio of it on our men's iTunes page. I encourage you to do that. Uh, last week we talked about uh, how the more we open up our lives to the work of the Spirit, eventually we become oaks of righteousness. That's what it says in Isaiah 61. And so again, tonight I want to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 4. And this is something that it goes without saying. It's pretty obvious. Every single man in the room uh, has to navigate temptation. And so I want to look at this text and I just believe that Jesus gave us such a powerful picture, a powerful model of how to succinctly and powerfully face temptation. And so uh, let's read the first 13 verses here in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, say that with me, say full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's important. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But he was full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. Can I get an amen? amen. How many of you, you ate before you came and you're already hungry? You're going to go home after this and get a bowl of cereal, aren't you? Some lucky charms. Verse 5, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. So the devil's putting all of his cards on the table, isn't he? He's putting all of his cards on the table. He's saying, this is what I really want. This is, can all be yours if you will worship me. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up uh, to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now the Christian life calls you and I to learn to recognize the same whispers that Jesus heard in the wilderness. 
So as Christ followers, we're called to learn to recognize these whispers. We're we're called to, to resist temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're called to counter with the word of God. That's what we saw here in the text. Jesus was tempted by the evil one. He didn't take the bait. He resisted and he countered right away. And I love that picture. He resisted and he countered and the devil was gone. He left. Now, many of you know that I grew up around the sport of wrestling. My dad coached high school wrestling for 40 years. I love the sport. Passion for wrestling is deep in my bones. And in fact, I think wrestling is God's favorite sport. NASCAR. NASCAR. No, no, no. Come on. Well, think about this. Okay, Rick, think about this. In Genesis 32, God shows up to Jacob and he's going to pick one sport. One sport to challenge him to. What sport does he choose? Wrestling. Wrestling. I mean, that, that would have been a lot less suspenseful if he would have showed up with a couple of ping pong paddles, right? I mean, God wanted to wrestle him. God, God I think God loves wrestling. And so uh, as, as a man that tries to be a good dad, one of the things that's important to me as a dad is that I want to impart to my kids the things that God loves. And so I am on a mission to impart God's love for wrestling to my kids. <laughs> now, I've got two girls and a, and a boy. My wife said, those girls are not wrestling. And I said, yes, ma'am. But I've got a son. And so when my son was about four years old, I said, okay, train up a child in the way they should go. <laughs> so I, I turned to him. I said, Owen, you want to go to a kid's wrestling practice and try this out. And he didn't want to go, but <laughs> I talked him into it. <laughs> so we showed up at the wrestling practice, and I spent the whole practice trying to get him out there and, and just to try it. But it was obvious that he wasn't interested. And so he, was, he just was like, no, I'm not interested. So I got the, got the hint. I said, okay, I cannot, I cannot force my passions to be his passions. I got to let him choose his own sport. So I just let it be for about six months. <laughs> and then I said, okay, the wrestling practice didn't work. I've got a better idea. By now he was five. And so I said, I'm going to take him to the Olympic Training Center. There was an international tournament that was happening down there. And I said, once he sees the the best wrestlers in the world compete, he will be hooked for life. And so we we went to the Olympic Training Center. We walked in and I said, oh, look, there's a world champion right there. And look right over there, there's another world champion. And within 30 seconds of walking in, he looks up at me and he said, dad, I never want to wrestle. I said, well, okay, you never have to wrestle, but why? And he said, because I never want to wear those tights. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm still praying for him. I'm still praying. But here's one of the things that, 
that is true about wrestling. And you see this especially with the high-level wrestlers. They have mastered the art of resisting attacks and then turning around and reattacking. It is an amazing thing to watch. And, and again, you see this in wrestling. To, to be uh, successful at wrestling, you have to learn how to resist. But then... Wrestlers know that the best time to attack is right after your opponent has attacked. And I think we see this with Jesus. Again, he recognized the attack. He resisted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he turned right around and he reattacked, which means Jesus was a wrestler. It's more evidence, okay? More, I'm going to keep working this with my son. So what I want to do tonight is I want to take just a few minutes and I want to take these three words, recognize, resist, and reattack. And I want to unpack them a little bit and talk about how we can learn to do this when the devil tempts us, when he comes to us in subtle ways. How can we as men learn to recognize temptation, recognize the subtle lies? How can we resist by the power of the Holy Spirit? Then how can we counter? How can we reattack? And so let's look at this word recognize first. Jesus clearly knew who he was dealing with, didn't he, in the wilderness? Jesus wasn't sleepwalking through life. The devil came to him in the wilderness. Jesus knew exactly who he was dealing with. He recognized the lie right away. But sometimes this can be difficult. Am I the only one, right? Sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult in our daily life to recognize the subtle and crafty ways that the enemy can come to us because he doesn't come to us in like a Darth Vader voice. He comes to us, he comes to us in a lot more subtle ways. Most of the time, I, I believe that most of the time, the devil wants to come to us and tempt us in the form of our own thoughts. Again, it's not this Darth Vader voice. It's not this evil hiss where it's like, oh, yep, there he is. But he'll come to us and put these little thoughts out to us in the form of, of our own thoughts. And the more we learn to recognize these lies, these temptations, the more we're positioned to actually learn to resist and to, to counter. Now, what I'm not saying, guys, is that the devil is behind every detail in life. I'm not saying we should walk around and just be looking for the devil everywhere. And I'm not saying that we should blame everything on the devil because not everything is his fault. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we're called to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, to keep our heart full of worship, and to pay attention that the enemy is real. In 1 Peter 5, Peter writes, uh, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He said, your enemy. We all have an enemy. Whether you want an enemy or not, whether I want an enemy or not, we have an enemy. The moment we were born, in fact, before we were even born, the, there's an enemy. And he's real. And he's looking for someone to devour. I believe that we're most vulnerable to temptation when we don't recognize the tempter or the lie. 
when we don't recognize it. When, when maybe we're on autopilot in some ways. That's when we're most vulnerable to temptation. I mentioned last week that, that uh, uh, every week I have just the honor of sitting with men and, and walking alongside them as they're untangling from different unwanted behaviors. And at the top of the list is, is pornography. And these guys are courageous. They're, they're so courageous. They're men who are willing to be honest. They're, they're men who are willing to face the reality of what they're tangled up in. And I have such respect for these guys. But a, a really common conversation as I'm sitting with these guys, it goes like this. A man will say, hey, I, I was doing pretty good for a week, and then I, I, I stumbled. I gave in. I, I fell in. I, I looked at porn. And so we'll talk about that. We'll process that a little bit. And I'll say, well, well, walk me through. Tell me what happened. And they'll say, well, it was late at night, and I was looking at my phone, and then all of a sudden I'm back at the same, the same site, and I'm, I'm looking at porn again. I'll say, wait, 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 slow down. Back up a little bit more. Walk me through a little bit more carefully and a little bit more slowly each step of how you ended up looking at porn again. And I'll say, tell me the specific thoughts. Like, name them. And inevitably, these guys will look at me and they'll just kind of look at me like, I don't really know. And we'll sit with that for a while because I want them to name it. I want them to name these thoughts. I want them to name these lies. And just time after time, these guys are able to do it. They'll start to name these thoughts. And when when they name it out loud, it's always so cool to see because it's like their eyes brighten. It's like, oh, that is so clearly a lie. But I've, I've just been so used to thinking that, that I don't recognize it as a lie. And so there's so much power in actually speaking these thoughts out. Because if we don't, these things can just live inside of us and we become, uh, we become so immune to them. It's like, oh, that's just, that's just my own thoughts. That, that must be true. But if we begin to name these things, if we get them out into the light, if we expose these lies, if we don't let the devil's lies take a seat in our mind, but instead we expose them, then we can begin to deal with them one by one. You know, the the devil, again, he wants us to just be on autopilot, just to assume that every thought that's in our mind is just our thought and it's true and then we'll go with it and we'll get caught up in these things. God, on the other hand, he says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. God, on the other hand, is saying, be so attentive to your thought life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Whatever's good, whatever's pleasing, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy, think about such things. Look at the difference there. Again, the devil's just like, you know, just everything's your thought. Meanwhile, he just takes, you know, tries to guide us one step at a time into these things. And God says, no, pay attention. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Because your enemy, the devil, truly does prowl around like a roaring lion. And he's looking for someone to devour. Now, look at the very next verse. So that's verse 8. Look at verse 9. 
Peter goes on and he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So here's the second word, resist. The first one is recognize, is to pay attention, is to let the Holy Spirit begin to illuminate these lies, these subtle lies that, that maybe have taken a seat in our mind. The second word is to resist. And I love how not only does the Bible tell us to resist the evil one, but the Bible tells us how to resist the evil one. He says, resist him standing firm in the faith with your feet planted. That's how we resist, is we plant our feet firmly in faith. One way to, to, to think about temptation is to think about it is to picture an undercurrent in the ocean. Picture a riptide. How many of you guys have ever uh, experienced the pull of a riptide in the ocean? All right, many of you guys have. Well, you know that it's a lot easier to resist a riptide when you're standing in about waist-deep water with your feet planted firmly in the ground. It, it's a lot harder to resist a riptide when we start to venture a little bit deeper and we lose our footing and we're trying to keep our head above water and we're bouncing on our toes, then we're in trouble. The same thing is true when it comes to resisting the evil one. Peter tells us, resist him standing firm in the faith. Keep your feet planted firmly in the faith. Then you're in a position to resist. So what might that look like? Keeping your feet planted firmly in the faith. I think it starts with having a strong devotional life with God. Whether we feel like it or not, it's putting, it's putting our nose in the scriptures, getting the scriptures deep in us. It's being connected to the life of the local church, just like you're doing. I have so much respect for you on a Wednesday night. Here you are. It's, it's being in a fire team. It's having four or five guys walking with you and, and praying for you and, and edifying you. Uh, those are ways that we keep our feet planted firmly in the faith. And it doesn't mean we won't feel the pull of the riptide because that's going to come to all of us. But the question is, is how planted are my feet going to be? And how planted are your feet? And how planted will your feet be in the future? I think that the, the, uh, a picture of men who are most vulnerable uh, to, this, to the riptide of temptation are men who are isolated. When a man is isolated, his feet aren't planted firmly in the faith. He's out flirting with deep water. And it's just a matter of time before that current gets a hold of him and begins to sweep him out. Now, what dad, think about this, what dad would see their young kids playing in a riptide or near a riptide and not say anything? Every dad, if they look out and they see their young kids playing in a riptide, every dad is going to say, hey, get out of there. Come here. They're going to go after them. And I think God is the perfect heavenly father, just like Seth was talking about. God is the perfect heavenly father. He sees us. And when we're in dangerous situations, when we're aimlessly browsing late at night, or we're lingering with a woman who's not our wife, God is the perfect father, sees us close to this riptide. And he says, hey, get, get, come on, let's go. Move along. 
And it's up to us, guys. It's up to us to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's up to us to be willing to say, I'm going to put the phone away. I'm not even taking it to bed tonight. I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to be alone with this woman anymore. But God, I'm telling you, God is a perfect father. He's not going to just stay silent as his sons are in a dangerous place. But are we willing to take heed of his promptings? Are we willing to say, yes, Father, my flesh might want this, but I trust in you. I'm going to respond to you. And the best time to resist, the best time to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to get out of that place, is right when he speaks or right when he prompts us. It's not to kind of hang out and and wait around a little bit and just see what happens. It's right away. That's, that's exactly what Jesus showed us in this. He didn't entertain these lies. It was bam, right away. He recognized it. He resisted it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, what did it say in, in verse 1? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He went into that temptation full of the Holy Spirit. That's why I think it's so important, this, this prayer that Pastor Brady has been teaching us the last couple of years, come Holy Spirit. Guys, the second you feel that the undercurrent, may that be our prayer. Come Holy Spirit. I recognize it. There's the pull. There's the temptation. Come Holy Spirit. Invite him right into that moment. And he is faithful. He will show up. He will give us the strength every time to resist if we'll invite him in. And if we'll respond to his promptings. Here's the third one. Reattack. All right. Recognize, resist, and reattack. Jesus responded to temptation by wielding an incredibly powerful weapon. The word of God. And I've been thinking about this lately. I've been meditating on this. And I am, I am so intrigued by the reality that the same sword, the same weapon that Jesus wielded in the, the wilderness is available to me. And it's available to you. I mean, we're talking about Jesus, the one who created all things. He could have had some fun with the devil in the wilderness making a fool out of him, right? But he simply responded by picking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, pointing it straight between the devil's eyeballs, and he just spoke, it is written. And that intrigues me. There's something that comes alive inside of me when I think about that, when I consider that, because that's how I want to respond. I want to learn to become more skillful with the sword so that when the devil comes and when, he, when he's, he whispers these subtle lies that I just pick up the sword of the spirit, I point it again right between his eyeballs and say, it's written. You know, I look at Chris Colin right over here in the front row. This guy knows how to wield a fly rod. The guy is a master fly fisherman. But if you ask him, hey, how did, how did you learn to do this? He'll tell you it just took a lot of time in the water. 
And the same is true with learning to wield the sword of the Spirit. It's just, there's just no way around it. It just takes a lot of time in the Scriptures, filling our heart with the Scriptures, so that when the devil comes to us, we don't have to say, wait a minute, hold that thought right there. Uh, Google. Give me a verse. Hang on, devil. Give me a verse. No. It's like, bam. It's written. Now, if we have to start with asking Google or, hey, ask Siri. It's better than not asking her. It's probably better than some things we ask Siri. But it's getting the word in our heart. It's becoming so skilled at being able to wield that sword so that it's just bam, bam, bam. Just like Jesus showed us. May that be true. May that be true of us. Uh, in, in this coming year, may we grow in our skill of being able to wield the sword of the Spirit. And it can be really practical. It can be as practical as, as what are the, the primary ways in this season of life that the enemy is coming to you to tempt you? What are they? I think it's important to, to sit down, name them, write them out. Write them out, put them on paper, speak them out loud, but, but, but get it outside of your head and in front of you so you can take a fresh look at how obvious it is that it's a lie. And then spend time in the scriptures, looking what are scriptures that speak directly to that lie, that speak directly to that issue. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll show you. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm feeling tempted. Dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. Begin to teach me what your word says about this issue. Holy Spirit, begin to show me the lies that I've believed. Show me the lies that have taken a seat in my mind and that I'm just used to them. I just accept that they're truth. May the Holy Spirit begin to, to show us in a fresh way what are some of those lies that have taken root. He'll expose them, and then he'll begin to show you well, what are those specific scripture verses that he wants you to begin to, to memorize, to meditate on, to speak out loud, to speak to the enemy. He'll show us. But we just have to be intentional. We have to be aware to let him. We have to be committed to not being on autopilot, but to be sober-minded and alert, to recognize the attacks, to resist by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then to re-attack with the Word of God. Does that sound good? You with me? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to figure this out alone. You have given us the Holy Spirit and you are so faithful. Your word says that you are faithful. And in every temptation that we face as men, you are faithful to show us the way out. Father, may you give us the courage to respond to your promptings. Father, will you grow us in our understanding of the word? Will you grow us in our skill of wielding the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? Father, this year, may this year, 2020, for the men of our church, may it be marked by going deeper in the word of God, by filling our hearts with the truth of the word of God. And so then we can 
easily recognize the, the temptations and the lies of the evil one. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for the community of believers. Thank you for these great men, Father. Thank you for these guys who are committed to you. Lord, I speak blessing and life over every single one of these guys. Blessing and life over their minds and their hearts and their families, Lord, and their careers. You smile at them. You call them a son. May they receive your love in a fresh way. They are sons of the Most High. That's who they are. So, Father, more and more teach us to walk in your power and in your authority. And again, to wield the sword of the word of God well. In Jesus' name, everybody says... Amen. All right, you're going to have about 30 minutes at the tables. And so there are discussion questions there. And then I'll come up at about 7.52 to uh, make a couple of announcements. And so uh, enjoy time at your table.